Spotify's five movies. This is Ryan, our co-host, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicone. You are listening to this Ben Chagrin episode 52, and last week's category was Ninja's Attack 5, Shuck and Jive. So, Frank, uh, what did you come up with, and um, uh, how was is, how is this um, Ninja shucking and jiving? <clears throat> it was a little painful. Um, so, tonight we're going to talk about the 1997 comedy Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh, you never uh, seen that, huh? No, I had never seen it. No, it's definitely not something I would ever bring myself to watch prior to this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, directed by Dennis Dugan, uh, stars Chris Farley as the titular Beverly Hills Ninja. Um, also stars Nicola Sheridan, Nathaniel Parker, uh, Chris Rock, and Robin Show. Um, has a really brief appearance by uh, Francois Chow, um, who we know from Lost. Hmm. Um, and then a really, uh, uncredited, like brief uncredited appearance by Billy Connolly. And then just some other people that you would recognize from different, like character actors and stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, a hundred percent, a movie that I had no interest in watching when it came out. Uh-huh. Um, I was actually working at the movie theater in 97, um, I guess I was a manager in 90 and 97. I remember having to hear the end credit. Uh, I don't know. Cover of Kung Fu fighting mm. over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, performed by, I don't know who did this. Let me look. Patty Rothberg. Yeah. Patty Rothberg. Mm-hmm. They they kind of like tease you with kung fu fighting several times, including elements of it in the score. So um, there's a couple of montages. There's especially a training montage early on. Um, anyway, it's so it's funny. I I saw this when it came out on video, and. It's funny that this movie came up. Do you know about this? Like, like uh, my story about Con- about Beverly Hills Ninja. So we were watching it in the living room. Uh, me and I can't remember if that was Orion or Wesley that was. We were watching it in my living room, and my dad was still like kind of like living at the house, and he like walked by, but I wasn't talking to him at the time. Um, and he um was in rehab with chris farley and when chris farley was getting ready to leave rehab um he was at father martin ashley's here in maryland at the time um with my dad and my dad was telling me that he was going to film this movie um when he was leaving rehab um which is my closest connection to chris farley is my father being in rehab with him back in like 1996 or something like that um so yeah so like uh he left rehab and wanted to film this movie apparently well context that is context uh so i guess let's go ahead and get started on this um so the movie opens kind of depending on your religious preference it's either 
uh, an homage to Clash of the Titans or Moses, mm. um, where there's a terrible storm and this ship crashes on the rocks and a single chest like floats to shore and this clan of ninja um open the chest and find a baby inside um so this clan has this prophecy of the great white ninja who will come from a foreign land to be the greatest master of ninjutsu unlike any other um so they find this white baby in this chest and they're like oh this is the child of prophecy um so they raise the baby and it grows up to be chris farley um they call him haru um and he's so let me point out the first problem with this movie chris farley obviously very large man right Mm -hmm. so they make it seem like i mean that it's it it's kind of a central point is like his weight but they never show him like gorging himself on food or anything. They make one joke where like all the ninjas are doing this thing where they're like the ninjas in training are holding their hands over. Well, you've seen the movie, so. Oh, I haven't seen it since 1997. <laughs> they're holding their hands over these like pots of like burning coals to like show their, I guess, um, determination or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Chris Farley's got like skewers of uh, kebab like on his his glowing skewer that he's like picking up and eating but they Uh don't really show him like being like gluttonous or anything he's just fat and he also is flexible like he can do like spin kicks and Mm -hmm. whatever cartwheels and stuff he's just a klutz and he's not a very good ninja so um robin shu who plays uh fuck i can't remember the character's name but he's farley's like older ninja brother um so let me ask you which pro- which problem there is that you think they should like show him even more or like or like they should he should not be very good or like what i don't know i just feel like i feel like the joke is just that he's fat you know and it's not like it's absolutely the joke yeah there's no context to him being fat and so i think part of that is because apparently dana carvey was originally attached to play Mm -hmm. this role so the script is probably written without the idea of like his weight even being like a mitigating factor um yeah it was like a script that went around hollywood for a while i think like i think it's like decade old script by the time it gets done or something here but anyway so he like grows up and has all these ninja tests that he fails um and they keep giving him chances and he's like friendly and outgoing and likable but nobody like really wants to be around him because he's always like especially um the robin shoe character like he's always hitting them with like bow sticks and stuff while they're practicing um so it comes time for ninja graduation and haru obviously can't graduate because he's a failure so the sensei of the ninja clan is like look you know you just don't have it in you what we're gonna do is have you stay here and guard the dojo while we go off on a ninja mission 
So all the ninjas leave on a ninja mission and Chris Farley dresses up in his ninja gear and is like basically doing the Robert De Niro are you talking to me thing in the mirror um, while he's like playing with nunchucks and swords and stuff and mm-hmm. causing messes everywhere because he's a klutz. And Nicolette Sheridan shows up and she's like, hey, is this the ninja dojo? So here's another problem is that ostensibly the ninjas are the secret clan of martial arts masters who have remained hidden from society so they can like basically like move unseen you know and do their ninja shit but that's just like this like white lady in a mini skirt shows up and is like hey is this where all the ninjas hang out and chris farley's like yeah and i'm a ninja and so he immediately falls in love with her and is trying to woo her um and she's like I think my boyfriend's up to no good. Um, I want to hire some ninjas to investigate him. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm a ninja and I'm, I'm, I'm down. So he pulls out the scroll to show, like, here's the prophecy of me being, like, the great white ninja. <clears throat> but, of course, he catches it on fire and then, like, bumbles, like, rolling mm-hmm. it up. And finally, after displaying his ninja prowess, kind of, I guess... By like destroying a bunch of shit. Um, she's like, okay, well, I need you to come to the pier because my boyfriend, he's a counterfeiter, I think, and I want you to um, get evidence on him. So Chris Farley goes to this pier and her boyfriend is there um, with his henchman who looks like a combination of David Schwimmer and the lead singer of Alien Ant Farm, like mm. that's was my immediate like comp there. I guess that's that's a horrifying comp. Yeah. I know, isn't it? <laughs> but this is what I'm thinking every time I see this dude like on screen. So the bad guy, the guy from the guy that's in Lost, um, I guess that, that's Doctor Marvin Candle, right? Yes. Yeah. So Doctor Marvin Candle has these plates that are um i don't know like thousand yen like printing plates that he has but he only has one side of them so they have to go to los angeles to get the other side so the bad guy is mad because now he has to do more work so he shoots dr marvin candle who falls off the side of this pier and lands in haru's um inflatable raft that he's paddling Mm. all of a sudden the police are there and they see this murder and so they go after um, Haru, who hides in a dumpster. And then um, Robin Show pulls him out of the dumpster, <clears throat> which I have no idea how he even knew where he was, but he comes and pulls him out. And they're like, oh, Haru, don't get involved. Like, this woman's bad news. She's lying to you. And he's like, no, I trust her. I feel like I need to go to America and save her. Because um, she gave him a matchbook with her number on it at the Beverly Hills Hilton or whatever. And they're like, oh, you're making a mistake. And he's like, I'm not making a mistake. I'm going to go do it. So he goes to America. So fish out of water type thing, which you know, mm-hmm. maybe we should have included that in our list of fish out of water comedy. So I wouldn't <laughs> have had to watch it this time. Um, but here we are. Uh, so L.A. is good for fish out of water. Huh? It is. It is. Um, mm-hmm. So he lands in America and he's wearing like really kind of like a racist like caricature of like a japanese like farmer i guess um 
and he's got a bag of gold that his master gave him you know in order to pay for his expenses so he's welcomed into the beverly hills hilton with open arms um and chris rock is the bellhop that has to take his bag up um who's also committing insurance fraud apparently because he's pretending like he has um fuck what does he call it like tunnel or cart tunnel 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 carper syndrome or something I don't know, he mispronounces it mm-hmm. um because he's he's left in too many heavy bags um so farley like dazzles him with his ninja abilities and takes him on as his apprentice um so he ends up like just kind of bumbling around and finding sheridan and she um engages his services again to um basically like take down this counterfeiting ring um but he's like an idiot like a bumbling doofus and apparently she's only dating this guy because he murdered her sister so she's assumed a fake name and um trying to get evidence to bring him down so i don't he like basically like infiltrates bumblingly infiltrates their operation um but he gets caught and he can't properly counterfeit the money because he's pretending to be like this master counterfeiter so he gets captured um and then allison comes in and rescues him but then she gets kidnapped so haru has to go get chris rock and they're gonna go save him um, but the whole time, uh, the Robin show character is like kind of looking after him and making sure that things go right. Like, like a real ninja, like in the shadows, like doing stuff to like, make sure he's covered. So they go back and they break into the warehouse and there's this fucking scene where Chris Rock and, um, Farley are on top of a palm tree, like using it as a catapult to sling like to catapult themselves into the warehouse i remember the thing yeah but farley does it and crashes through the window and chris rock stays on there because he's too <laughs> afraid to jump mm-hmm. um so gobe comes in uh robin show comes in to save chris farley and <clears throat> they end up fighting the ninja guards um so farley realizes that allison's being held in this room so he gets on a fork truck to break into it but there's a time bomb in there so she's like oh my god like you got to disable this time bomb and he's like oh i'm gonna use my ninja skills to do it but he goes in and like unscrews the receiver on a phone or something mm. um and then pulls the wrong wire and now there's only five minutes instead of ten <clears throat> so he hears like robin show getting beat up and he looks down and he sees like his brother getting like destroyed by these guards and it like triggers some kind of ninja magic inside him and he leaps off this tall thing and now he's got all this like superhuman like fighting ability and that's when you get to hear kung fu fighting officially for the Mm -hmm. first time um so he defeats like all these guards himself and then um alien ant farm and some other guy come up and they start beating them up but then um they're in the middle and they do the scooby-doo trick where like the two kung fu fighters jump at each other and they duck and the evil guys like basically smash their crotches together and that incapacitates them Mm -hmm. 
Um, so then the evil counterfeiter comes with an Uzi and he's shooting at him, but they dodge all the bullets. And Haru is like, oh, I'm going to knock him out. So he takes his sword and he slices the rope, but it causes this, um, like, uh, hook and tackle, basically, or block and hook to drop down and hit Robin's show in the head, which knocks him out. So then Chris Farley pulls out two swords and is able to spin them around and block all these bullets. Um, but so that scares the bad guy. So the bad guy tries to run away and then Haru gets on this harpoon gun and shoots the harpoon gun past Nicolette Sheridan. And it basically like pull, there's a rope on the end and it pulls all this shit and knocks the time bomb out of that room and onto the bad guy's truck hmm. um, where it explodes, but it doesn't like blow the truck up. It just like shoots a tower of flame into the air. And then the bad guy like gets out and then everybody gets arrested um, and everybody's arrested. And Chris Farley has saved Nicola Sheridan and he's a hero. So then it flashes back to Japan and Farley's telling his sensei, um, I think I need to go back to Beverly Hills and protect my dove, Nicola Sheridan, because they're in love with each other. Um, and Gobi, or um, whatever his name is, uh, Robin Show's character, he's got a broken arm. Um, and so Chris Farley, like as he's leaving, they get on the bus and it turns out that um, there's a rope like hooked to robin shoes wheelchair for some reason mm -hmm. and it pulls him along and throws him into the water and chris farley's like oh sorry brother goodbye and robin shows like shaking his fists and then they play the cover version of kung fu fighting right so it's barely <laughs> let's let's talk about some of the issues here <clears throat> first of all 90% of the comedy is slapstick because I imagine that was the original intent was just to make him a bumbler. Mm -hmm. But then when they signed Farley, the other 10% of the comedy is he's fat, but he can like do crazy ninja moves. Mm -hmm. So it's honestly like really impressive how like, cause I don't, I think most of the stuff is actually Farley doing his own stunts in a lot of ways. Like it, it looked like it anyway. Yeah. So he's doing like spin kicks and flips and I at one point he does like a really perfect um like wrestling combat roll type thing like where he like lands on the ground and like flips over to his feet and stuff so yeah. for being an overweight dude like he wasn't like unathletic you are correct he did most of his own stunts apparently yeah but man does he look real rough in this movie like and they give him this weird page boys haircut so he looks like a, I don't know, almost like a male version of Baby Jane or something, kind of. Um, it's <laughs> mm -hmm. just really off-putting, <clears throat> and his skin is like really kind of like sallow. So, and he died, I think, less than a year after this movie was yeah, released, it was December of ninety-seven. Yeah. So you like have that like specter of this dude is like you know this is the last thing that he's gonna like do. I guess it was released in his lifetime, but 
I felt bad hating this movie as much as I did because I genuinely think that Chris Farley was like a decent guy. Mm-hmm. And there's some stuff from Saturday Night Live that I find funny of Chris Farley's. I'm not a huge fan of like overt slapstick where that's the whole shtick of a movie sure. is just the one thing I'll give it is there's not really any like fart or shit jokes in this movie. It's mostly just clumsy. It really kind of reminds me of like, it's more in line with like the three stooges or Abbott and Costello than it is something like an Adam Sandler movie. Right. Like they don't really delve much into like crass humor for it. It's all just in man gets hit in the crotch with, with the stick like style jokes. And Chris Farley, like, inadvertently, like, making good things happen, even though he's, like, bumbling in his actions and stuff. But, right. I don't know. There's just, like, no offense to Nicolette Sheridan, but she's a terrible actress. Sure. There's just no, like, heart in it, really. And I don't know. It's just very, very difficult to watch. And I was not, did not enjoy myself at all watching this movie. Um, and it just felt real cheap. Like if, like the opening credits are seriously, this is a, this is a TriStar release. And this is, I think TriStar after they were bought by Sony. And it's so sad because it's got the traditional TriStar opening. Are you, are, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. With the Pegasus and the, yep. dun, 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 yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Classic. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you think like, oh man, like this is going to be like, it evokes so much nostalgia, like seeing like that classic opening. And then it's just, I don't know, it's this really bad computer graphic of, like, a setting sun with, like, cut-out palm trees, and it says Beverly Hills, and then Ninja, and then it goes into the opening montage of, like, basically Clash of the Titans, I mean, that's what it looks like. Like, why is this baby in a trunk, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense, like, it's the stupidest fucking premise, and... I mean, like, really, like, I don't want to call it, like, overtly racist, but it kind of is. (laughs) Because it's just about, like, all the tropes that you think of, like, I think, like, modern culture has tried to move away from, like, I don't know. I know your facial expressions well enough as you've been just sitting here. Like, I've just been letting you go, just like watching you like talk about this. I can tell from your facial expressions that there's actual flummox in you in trying to. There's some kind of internal struggle going yeah, on because, within you. Because I feel really bad that this is Chris Farley's like swan song, kind of. Yeah. And it's like he's a dude that you want to you want to root for you know like because again like just seemed like a genuinely nice guy and despite like all of his troubles that he struggled with like addiction and his weight and whatever like you kind of always like sort of pulled for him yeah because he was he's in this like shit movie and he still is giving it his all in terms of his physicality like throwing himself into this role And again, like, you can tell that he's doing his own stunts, and he's, like, literally, like, throwing his body all over the place Mm -hmm. for the sake of 
this movie and the movie's just garbage i mean and it's it's worse it's like it's so bad because it's not even like grotesque you know it's just such a waste of everything and the whole idea is that he's the great white hope and then at the end chris rock is selling himself as the great black hope for ninjas i don't know i don't know how to describe it it's just i mean um, i don't know if you saw like odenkirk um earlier in the year uh did an interview where he talked about how he felt farley was mistreated and some of the SNL skits, particularly in the Chippendales, like the famous Chippendales skit with Patrick Swayze, um, and how he thought that them using his weight and like that, like you doing that uh, slapstick physical humor, like actually hurt him mentally and contributed to his just drinking and drug use and all those kind of things. But Farley wanted to make people laugh so much that he would just go along with it because people laughed and people thought it was funny. And um, so that's become like a kind of like a talking point in different things I've read, like throughout the year um, after that interview and kind of like a reexamination of how we treat people um, with weight issues, particularly in media and stuff like that. And then the whale came along and it's like become even a bigger issue than it already was in the past few years. So um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I always feel bad for Farley. He is a guy that gave me a lot of laughs as a teenager on Saturday Night Live, including some of those skits that they're referencing. I mean, but Matt Foley, to me, was always, like, my favorite character. Matt yeah, Foley, that's, motivational speaker. And, that's the best, the best skit. Yeah, and, and I, and, like, movies like, um, oh, shit, I'm forgetting it now. It's not um, Black Sheep. Tommy, Tommy Boy. Um, Tommy Boy, I think, I mean, Look, he wasn't the greatest dramatic actor in the world, but it's like, I think he's somebody who could have developed into a really good John Candy-like position. Another person that maybe, like, is lost a little too young um, due to some similar issues. And um, because it's like, I like, look, this movie's bad. I remember this movie being really bad. And it's like, I like things like this. Like, I love John Candy's Armed and Dangerous, which is a very similar premise, except for Candy is a little bit more on the ball, but he's still kind of like klutz and like, you know, like dim-witted at times, um, just a little bit more capable. And like, this movie's garbage. Um, And yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's a shame um, about all of it. I mean, yeah. The problem, and the problem too, is that like usually I watch terrible comedies, and they're usually terrible because they're really homophobic or really racist or mm-hmm. they're just super focused on <sighs> grotesquerie, like like genital jokes or fecal matter jokes or somebody's like farting all over the place. Shit, even the fucking buddies movies, you know, one of the, you know, fucking butterball he just like farts on everything and that's what causes like that's the catalyst for change and this movie it literally is it really is like a throwback in terms of the way it's filmed and the type of humor where it it feels like something from like the 40s or 50s honestly like it's it it doesn't like stoop to that level but it's just so poorly done that like you can't even enjoy it from like a slapstick perspective and there's, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's just me reading into it, like, in hindsight, but he feels like there's almost, like, a haunted look in Farley's eyes, like, this manic, 
like need for you to accept this character like the whole time like he never he always like feels like pained when you're watching him it's it's really difficult to watch so i don't know mm. but um yeah i did not enjoy watching this movie in the slightest um was really angry that this is the movie that i chose <laughs> um yeah 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 i'm sure there's and so it's many just ninja, not so it's, many ninja it's, movies could have probably like but there's not that many ninja movies that involve shucking and jiving just so you know so okay i mean i do have quite Touché. the i do have quite the collection of ninja movies saved on my tubi account right now mm-hmm. um probably about 30 um but none of them seem to fit the bill unless i just decided to say fuck your category and just watch a ninja movie i wanted to watch right so instead i watched this because i was trying to stay true to yeah. true to your fucking vision and here's what i get <laughs> um yeah absolutely like not enjoyable at all not even funny like every joke oh, falls no. flat like yeah. there's nothing in it the only thing you can really like take away from it is just again farley's absolute commitment mm-hmm. to being like a physical presence when he does comedy you know like really putting himself in a position where it's his physicality that's the star so you kind of like can sort of remove yourself from the the terribleness of the dialogue and the script and everything but i mean it's not even enough to compensate for that so sure and to know that he he like is you know to think about him dying and stuff because that was pretty pretty shocking at the time when it happened yeah yeah i know that there is like reports like around the time he was probably filming this that his health was deteriorating really badly so i mean he was probably in like a lot of i and i haven't read about this movie particularly but it's like i'm, I'm sure he's in a lot of pain and yeah stuff like sh- that. so when i was watching this i was trying to think like i mean obviously like actors had died and stuff during my lifetime but i'm wondering if this was the first real actor death that i experienced as an adult as somebody that i watched for a pretty consistent period of time growing up because i was watching saturday night live every week when farley was a main cast member like i saw sure um the chippendales thing the um fuck the motive the matt foley motivational speaker mm-hmm. um i remember there was the super fan stuff that he was yeah. involved in with the bears um that the, the he was part of the gap girls stuff um with spade and sandler yeah um, i remember all those things yeah i never i i have not seen black sheep or tommy boy so i don't really know anything about really hmm. yeah i never wanted to watch any of his movies it just they never yeah. appealed to me yeah black and, sheep there's fans that people that are dedicated to black sheep but black sheep's not that great um tommy boy's is a, i mean it's it's a paint by numbers comedy like of the 90s but um the him and spade work really well together and um uh farley and dunahee work really well together and stuff like that but it's very much like a kind of almost like a billy madison type thing just with a different narrative plot line like trying to win the father's approval etc etc um but yeah tommy boy if if anything tommy boy's the one to watch probably like if you're ever going to watch like a farley movie um that has like decent stuff in it it's tommy boy 
maybe I'll get to that someday, but I don't think. Yeah. I figure um, if I haven't, if a lot of times, if it's a comedy I haven't seen to this point in my life, it's probably not going to happen. So, yeah. No, understandable. I mean, his SNL stuff. I mean, and it's so crazy that it's seven years, like, that's it. Like, it's seven years, like, um, that he's around. Like, but it's like to make such an, and you're right, it's like to make such an impression. Like, you know, I mean, it's like the, it has to be. I mean, besides maybe River Phoenix, who is so young and like hadn't had an, enough, probably like starring roles yet to like, like Farley's probably the most famous out of our generation that dies first. Um, yeah. How, when was River Phoenix? Like 92? Or something yeah, like that. something like that. Like probably. Yeah, like, I I would have still been a little too young to really. I think like truly comprehend. Ninety three, October yeah. ninety three. Whereas um, with Farley, I mean, I was an adult when Farley died, obviously. So. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, Phoenix had like a lot of like, like really famous roles, you know, that he that he did and stuff like that when he, especially when he was young. But like, he hadn't really come into his adulthood yet so much. Um you know, by the time of his death and it was that great, like, what if, um, I don't know if people have like a, what if about Farley so much because it probably would have been more the same, but I think he's a, what if, like I said, I think he could have, I think it's like the path that John Candy, I think is probably the best comp is like the path that Candy ended up taking where there is dramatic roles that he has, you know, his comedy, like uncle Buck, like, I mean, he's a very capable, like, you know, like, dramatic actor with those kids and stuff like that at times like you know to get across um you know like the the emotion that he like needs to get across um and i think he would have just improved that over time um and i think farley would have been somebody that might have been more capable um and would have had that like one like great dramatic role in his life um at some point but yeah it's a shame but it's it is crazy it's only like seven years basically of 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 him being in pop culture and it's still to this day like you still see stuff online of his characters like you know and stuff like that and um still always featured in saturday night live retrospectives consistently and um so yeah i mean it's a lasting legacy but uh this shouldn't be part of it i think i wonder if farley would have been one of those guys who would have been somebody that pt anderson or right yeah tarantino or like one of those guys nolan maybe would have like found and like given some credible acting role to yeah i think that's what it would have been yeah i think that's absolutely what it would have been like somebody would have like recognized something it's just like we talked about a couple weeks ago on the primary podcast with pt anderson and um, adam sandler like somebody recognizing like you know the like seeing that pathos that Farley mm-hmm. was able to like really almost expertly like that controlled chaos that comes out of like a lot of Farley's like physicality, I think yep. would have been um yep. pretty impressive with a really good director and instead fucking Duggan <laughs> makes him a goddamn like joke. Right. So Yeah. Um, well Rip Rip Chris Farley. Yes um no absolutely well, like i said there's a lot of good memories there 
despite all that. So what's your final chagrin score on this? This is a hard nine. Mm. Mm. It was, I was very angry watching this movie. It kind of ruined my day today, so. <laughs> gotcha. I was going to, I got all, I, I left work early today because I, I got to go in early tomorrow. Um, And my idea was I would come home, watch this, eat dinner, and then take a nap. Mm-hmm. And I was so angry afterwards, I couldn't even take a nap. <laughs> that, uh, that's pretty angry. Like, yeah, you can't even take the angry nap. It's so angry. Um, well, there's a chagrin for you. Yeah. Fucking shuck and jive ninjas. And there is some shucking and jiving in this movie. Yeah. Um, in the truest sense of the word. So, okay. All right. Let's go ahead and spin this wheel. Um, category for next week is hawk and stealth the category is hawking stealth in parentheses it says unseen stalker um <clears throat> there's something with uh with a stalker okay so. <clears throat> opens up a lot of avenues for you <clears throat> hawk and stealth hawk and stealth so something with an unseen stalker um, so it can't be like a stalker where it's like, uh, oh, what the fuck is that movie? Like where it's like the person finds out the person stalking them and there's like, you know, confrontations and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it has to be at some point, like they just don't like largely don't know that they're being stalked people. I don't want any of that shit where it's like people know. You're not allowed to tell me what I can <laughs> and can't watch. It said unseen stalker in parentheses. Well, they're always unseen until they're seen. At some point, you're going to have to see them. Yeah, true. So, what what's to dictate at what point that happens? Mm. Maybe it's 15 minutes in, maybe it's 45 minutes in. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know what's weird is that I'm actually very uncomfortable by movies with stalkers in them. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know that. It makes me really uncomfortable. So that's fascinating. Should be awesome here too. <laughs> oh, I just figured it was uh as a good horror movie category for you. Yeah, you know. I'll find something. What you gotta talk about? I don't know. Not food chat. Didn't come up. <clears throat> crazy yeah. that you're trying to trying to pigeonhole food chat into a specific category <laughs> um <clears throat> there's actually not a lot of food chats that i could find that like fit in these categories well this would be perfect for asian food chat but you didn't know yeah i didn't know right so um you want to talk about asian food what do you want to talk about I don't know. You want to talk about it's a large category. Like, I know you want to narrow it down to specific. I mean, that was in Japan. Um, sure. I don't have a lot to say about any of that, but go ahead. Tell me about sushi. Um, actually, Japanese food is the my least favorite Asian food Hmm. by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I actually find most Japanese food to be um boring. Honestly, like I don't think there's a whole lot of interesting things. 
once you get past like the novelty of sushi mm-hmm. like sushi generally all tastes the same and i'd rather just eat fish you know what i mean right there's some sushi i really enjoy like i really like um eel a lot and i like yeah, see this um, is where where this is where that whole cuisine like loses me but yeah go ahead eel i like roe on sushi like i like it when they have like the um the fish roe on top because i like the taste of it and the texture um you know like the the eggs whatever mm-hmm. um i find cooked sushi to usually just be kind of samey like it all tastes the same and usually what you're getting the taste from is like whatever sauce or other ingredients they put with it because i think the tempura is just really kind of all samey like once they they cook something in tempura it kind of loses its individuality you know right um especially because i don't know like like i love shrimp but i like steamed shrimp i'm not a huge fan of fried shrimp except for like popcorn shrimp sometimes but i'd rather just eat like steamed shrimp than deep fried shrimp um and then stuff like katsudan and i like i like ramen but i think there's better noodle soups than ramen that are out there like i'd rather eat some like tom yum or uh like wonton soup or like anything else really Although that ramen Kumamoto place has some good, some good ramen. Um, and the Japanese are really into like weird flavor combinations and not just like how other, other places, you know, like, like, and like in Thailand, I eat like a lot of Thai food, but I also eat some Korean food and some Vietnamese food. And it's like, I feel like those flavor combinations are born out of the necessity of like, these are the ingredients that actually grow in the area that we're in. So like we're using them to make cuisine. Whereas in Japan, it's just like, hey, let's put some goddamn wasabi on this Kit Kat, you know? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> right? Like, that's not born out of necessity. That's just weird. Like, you're, they're just weirdos. I do like sake a lot. I like warm sake quite a bit. Um, I didn't care about anything. I'm also, and this is probably blasphemous, not the biggest fan of seaweed, you know? Like, dried seaweed is okay as a snack once in a while, but it's not something I can just eat. And I'm not a huge fan of seaweed wrapped around shit. Like, I like banana leaves or bamboo shoot or whatever. Like, but the seaweed thing, meh. I get to Japan's an island and stuff, but they got plenty of other veggies there. They could, like, wrap around something as opposed to, like, some chunk of fucking dried shit that you hauled out of the ocean. I've never had their fried, like, whatever they call their fried chicken, but um, I would try that. I'm fine with the fried shrimp. Everything else you said. That's like, that that's, that's, that's katsudan, right? Is fried chicken? Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that stuff is fine. It's, 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 it's good. Yeah. I don't, like, there's plenty of Japanese stuff that's fine. It's just very plain to me. Like, I don't, the whole, like, idea of umami or whatever... Is just like putting weird tastes together that don't necessarily belong or using something. I watched this YouTube channel of this dude who lives on some one of the islands of Japan, like one of the smaller islands and who 
like dives for fucking like crazy fish that you're not supposed to eat like he's eating like sea cucumbers and sea slugs and poisonous fish and stuff and to the point where like he gets allergic reactions a lot of the time because he eats something he's not supposed to eat and it like Mm. causes him to like get itchy inside his throat and stuff but he's always like putting some weird shit together and talking about how delicious it is but i'm telling you i guarantee that shit ain't delicious and i'll eat anything like i'll try anything but i can just tell that i probably wouldn't enjoy it so i don't know it's a land of weird land of weirdos there's there's a bunch of stuff like eel and octopus and all that kind of stuff that i would never i like octopus and i like eel like i love squid gross like all that stuff is really good and if it's prepared correctly is super delicious i mean i guess i like sashimi i used to go out and get sushi all the time like there was a time Mm -hmm. where i I was pretty pretty obsessed with like getting sushi as much as possible but i think that i've just kind of lost my taste for I don't know. Like, I feel like what you're tasting is more like they put like cucumber and avocado in this roll, and then you just there's a piece of fish there, or you know, here's a single piece of like tuna, mm-hmm. and then you got to put like some wasabi and some ginger on top. So when you eat it, like mostly what you're tasting is the wasabi and the ginger that you put on it, or the soy sauce you dipped it in, or whatever. You know, like I don't know it's fine whatever i mean it's just if you like had all if there was like a row of restaurants of asian culture mm-hmm. japan would be the last one that i would go to i think i mean yeah i i think that's a given for me like vietnamese food is better thai food is better chinese food is better mm-hmm. and all the different varieties of chinese food like cantonese and mm-hmm. whatever like hong kong and Right. Cambodian food is better. Filipino food is better. Like all that stuff is Indian just, food. Like you know, I, I, I don't consider that Asian, but it's it's Asia. I know, I know, but it, to me, it's not. It's Asia. The same thing. Indian food is its own thing. Only because preparation and taste is very dissimilar. Like you find a lot of similarities in all the like Southeast Asian foods, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like ingredients and preparation style, but Indian food is like wildly different. I understand what you're saying. From most of that. So like even Japanese food, there's a lot of similarities. Like and the weird thing is some stuff is so good. So when I flew to Thailand, I was on Japan Air and they give you two meals like during your flight because it's such a long fucking flight. And some of the stuff was fine. Like they had this miso soup that they serve hot out of like a a pitcher like a ceramic pitcher of miso soup and they would pour it in a cup for you fucking delicious like so good such a deep like perfect like miso flavor because mm-hmm. miso can be super disgusting sometimes i don't know if you've like no like if it's not prepared right miso soup tastes like fucking sewer water but like with good preparation miso soup has this nice like rounded like depth of flavor to it that um can be really good but it's seriously like if if you get it and it's not like prepared correctly absolutely disgusting whereas like if you get a hamburger like we've all had like great hamburgers and we've had like mediocre hamburgers but by and large unless it's like so poorly prepared or like whatever it's 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 okay you know like a hamburger is typically like an okay thing to eat 
like pizza like you're not really it's really difficult to find like disgusting pizza you know like really awful pizza like most pizza is at least edible and identifiable as that thing but there's some real like shit that can come out of like poorly prepared japanese food like it can taste like trash and like literal like garbage so i don't know Beverly, this, Hill, Beverly Hills Ninja, Japanese, Japanese cuisine is just. I know you, it's it's. I probably wouldn't even be like so upset about Japanese cuisine <laughs> if it wasn't if for had... Beverly Hills Ninja. Honestly, I think that it's like it's really got me in a funk. <laughs> in uh, a what ways. did what did what did what did you think of Pale Blue Eye overall? I liked it. Yeah. Um. I hate to be like that guy, but I knew what the ending was going to be like 15 minutes into the movie. Mm. And I don't want to spoil it because it's out right, recently sure. enough yeah. where, but there was like two lines of dialogue early on where they mentioned certain things that are then like mm-hmm. revealed later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking like, oh, 100%, this is what's going to happen. Now, I did not guess most of the things to get to that point Mm -hmm. so i guess like the last 20 minutes were really disappointing to me because i thought they had swerved me and i thought i was wrong about it right but then i was then i was right about it and i was like oh well that's kind of disappointing but up to that point and there's like a, a span of about 15 minutes 20 minutes where i was truly like man like what are they doing here like i have no idea where they're gonna go with this now um yeah because I really thought that they were, they really just kind of like threw me off, honestly. Um, it was a good red herring, I think, for. Oh, yeah. yeah. And really well played out. And mm-hmm. um, it's got some great performances in it. I texted you last night when I was in the first like 20 minutes of it. And I said, is there any actor who derailed themselves more with like one incident than Christian Bale? And I think, I mean, I, I know there's like, you know, it's like you look at somebody like Kevin Spacey, who was one of the great actors of that same time frame yeah. that Christian Bale was like kind of gaining mm-hmm. prominence. Kevin Spacey fucked himself with years of being a scumbag, you know, like right. an extended period of time of, you know, forced sexual coercion and possible like bad touching and whatever like all the Mm -hmm. things he's been accused of that's a very long period of time sure christian bale legitimately fucked himself with one rant that was caught on tape directed at a member of the staff of a movie what was that was terminator right uh i think it was terminator yeah um and not even a good movie like he fucked himself for terminator goddamn revengeance or whatever the fuck it's called yeah, I'm trying to remember if that's that is Terminator that that happened. Um, it was around that time that it was yeah, yeah. released, anyway. And it's really difficult to listen to. Like he's an it's, absolute, it's, it's unhinged. Like yeah. I mean, yeah, an absolute yeah. asshole. Like during you know that rant, and very rightfully so had it held against him but it still is crazy that i think a guy that was considered on 
par with people like Daniel Day Lewis and yeah, it was that movie. Yeah, um, you know, like at that time, you know, someone that was considered to be like one of the it was him, Depp, Day Lewis, um, you know, were like these guys that had all this feeling of like these this is our generation's like greatest actors and the only one that really came out of it with any kind of like or without any kind of real i don't know stigma is daniel day lewis and it's because he quit (laughs) right because he did like his 10 so what kind of i am curious just to probe this a bit more what other types of roles would you see him having that he hasn't had potentially i mean i think that you would have seen him number one i think you would have seen some more of an expansion of kind of like what um clooney and uh, matt damon and even like liam neeson a little bit like he would get like these actiony roles mm-hmm. um I think would have come more out of like the Batman movies where he would have been the grizzled action star and like the more thoughtful um, action set piece movie kind of. Um, And I think he also would have attracted the attention of some of the better directors that would have cast him and stuff that I think maybe he lost out on. Um, Especially like great female directors I think probably are sort of like turning their turning away from them yeah I mean D- David or Russell kind of kept him afloat right after that because he does the fighter with him and um American Hustle yeah um within those years but yeah I mean he's doing like a movie like like a Hong Kong movie like at one point like after that so I mean it definitely definitely hurt him it's just like do you so do you think it would be a little bit more ubiquitous in yeah. terms of okay I, I I think there would have been a lot more I think he would have probably had a couple of roles that we would consider to be great roles mm-hmm. where he would have been an Oscar nominee or something or at least yeah. like in that conversation yeah and I think he had to kind of take several steps down from that to just be this really reliable like character actor that everybody recognizes sure and take lead roles in kind of smaller things. I mean, like, because we talked about Ford vs. Ferrari last year, um, or two years ago, I guess now, with Heaster. And um, not a movie I would have, like, you know, sought out myself, honestly, but um, fucking phenomenal. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, in it. And um, both him and Damon are really good. And, yeah, he's a guy that um, pretty much delivers every single time that he's on the screen. Um I know a lot of stuff of his was cut from the new Thor movie, um, which was fun, but not necessarily like really good or whatever, Um, but fun and like him playing the villain and a lot of his stuff got cut. So he like the character comes off weird and like stuff like that. But like, I mean, he's um, again, like delivers like he delivers in every single thing he does. But uh, yeah, he just doesn't get like the really big roles. You're right. probably what he deserves in some ways like um according to his talent but i i think i think um, pale blue eye is a interesting pseudo historical fiction kind of thing um 
Yeah. And and I'm just happy. Look, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I thought it was good. Um, I enjoyed right. watching it. Yeah, it's it's but fine. I'm I am glad, even though I'm not a big Agatha Christie type mystery fan, I am glad I am seeing more and more kind of traditional mysteries showing up in film. Um, knives out, like I think like you you know, pre COVID kind of like sparked some of that. Um which is probably the most like classical like Christie offshoot. Yeah. Um but it's like with Glass Onion and this and you know Braun is doing all those adaptations of Christie. I think he's got another one coming down the pike. Um I think it's Death on the Nile I think he's doing or something like that. Um but uh no, I am glad to see more of that coming back, even though I'm more of like a hard boiled fan as opposed to a, a Christie um Venetian Bay like Vaz like fan like um of murder. Um it's it's nice to see that these things are, are being done because honestly we've had a after having a glut of crime, I would say, in the nineties, early two thousands, there's been a dearth um of really good crime mystery films um in the past like 15 20 years really with some notable exceptions sure and i kind of like the you know i'm a fan of the more like gothic um period piece style movies sometimes and i think that this i think especially the setting of um the hudson valley in the winter is Mm -hmm. a really cool setting for this to happen in um it actually gave me vibes along the lines of um that movie you like ravenous there you go yep that's what I was trying to think of last night. Yep. Um, just in the sense of like the desolation and the mm-hmm. coldness, and mm-hmm. um, also you you brought a bag of the Christie, but it it kind of made me think of Oscar Wilde in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, just in the, and I guess like Poe is really what it's supposed to make you think of. But um, for me, it was more along the lines of that feeling of like um. Like the walking in the cemetery gates and, you know, like, um, the, the reserved, like, kind of purple prose coming out, like, between these two, like, unrequited lovers. And I think it really set up the twist, the initial twist really well. Mm-hmm. Um, in that just the dialogue and the setting and everything, it kind of made it, um, and then, like, the juxtaposition of, like, the warm interiors of, these like stately manor houses and stuff like i don't know i just i i thought it looked really cool and i really enjoyed um the atmosphere of it um it actually also reminded me of castle rock a little bit in the cinematography Hmm. um that first season of castle rock in particular yeah um and that might just be the setting because i guess you know so close to new england in that area but um yeah i don't know i would say that if I wouldn't go out of my way to recommend this to somebody, but I think that if you enjoy mystery movies and you like the idea of the, I mean, it's maybe, maybe it's more Doyle-esque, I would say, rather than even Christie, like, because Christie has those connotations of high society and, you know, like drawing room and stuff like that might be more Doyle-esque because actually what it reminds me of is like, you know, Things like uh, Caleb Carr's, like the Italian secretary. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it reminds me of stuff like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's a yeah. really good comparison yeah. to it. Yeah, that's the kind um, of stuff that it reminds me of. It actually, it reminded me too of uh, that book that we read several years ago. Um, 
Dan Simmons book Drood. Oh yeah, the one uh-huh. that's yep. the um, yeah, good. Yeah. horror mystery involving Dickens. Yeah, um, very similar to that. Taking the idea, there's actually our friend Chuck had me read a book. Um, I don't know, twenty some years ago, where Oscar Wilde is a detective um, solving crimes, kind of, mm. um, and they paint Oscar Wilde as like a lascivious like ladies' man, which is fucking <laughs> crazy. But um. Yeah, just it, like I really like that whole idea of taking famous authors and putting them in the context of kind of being mm-hmm. like amateur detectives themselves and, you know, sort of tying that into maybe Poe's own, like sort of an inspiration for him to kind of write certain poems and stuff without sure. it being too overbearing, I thought was. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I thought and, I, and, really I, cool. and the guy that played Poe, um, which I guess is uh, the Dudley son dursley is that their name from harry potter oh that's him yeah I think oh so. no shit um let me make sure i'm not like wrong about that um harry mellon uh i meant to look him up but yeah Frank he was he was Dud- dudley dursley dursley yeah um in the first five of them yeah huh. um patrick trouton's grandson which i didn't know either um when i looked him up last night um, one of the like third Doctor Who or something like that. second second Doctor Who I think. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, no, nah, I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I'm I'm more I, I'm I'm just happy that there's um more crime stuff that's being produced. But it was a good movie and um, yeah, uh, good performances in it. Um, so there we go. We ended on something that was a little more positive than um uh Beverly Hills Ninja, Farley's death, and Japanese cuisine. So. Easter Gong gets super pissed about the Japanese cuisine thing. <laughs> you, you know, you know what? I'm gonna like open up my phone at some point, like in that thread, and there's gonna be like six paragraph texts in there. Yeah. yeah. The one thing they do well, the Japanese, and I'll give them this, is their use of egg in things. Mm. Um, they do a good job with egg. Fried egg. I don't know. Yeah. Over easy egg. Omelets. Like they're 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 pretty pretty on point with their use of egg. Have so we talked about it. We haven't talked about egg. Have that's that's like an hour. Chat. That's an hour long food chat, just so you know. So I got a lot to say about egg. <laughs> um I'm I'm just trying to think. I think there might be a category specifically where like um like I know that there's like a like a fish food chat that's tied to a category. I'm not. I, there might be something with egg, um, somewhere. Fish should be a really like an add in too. Yeah. Um. It's so. the incredible edible egg, motherfucker. All right. So next week, Hawk and Stealth is the category. I already um, found my movie too, by the way. So. Good job. And uh yeah, so we'll be back next week with Hawk and Stealth, no food chat. Next week, Frank, along with Hawk and Stealth, Black Adam. Oh my god, all right. Yeah, that's yeah. food chatty enough. <laughs> um as yeah. in like what did I vomit? <laughs> right. Um that's too harsh. Right. All right. So next week, Hawk and Stealth, Black Adam and DC. Um James Gunn future uh, we'll talk about 
Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Deuces.